hour in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, for those listeners of the Paracast Plus or after the Paracast, we don't have network ads, but we'll mention just one thing that might interest you. It's not really a commercial. The new Paracast shop, or the Paracast.shop, the Paracast.shop, is a work in progress. We wanted to get a good working place where you can get T-shirts and other stuff with logos. And we've gone through this like half a dozen times already. You know, or four times, whatever it is, just over and over again. And the story is in our latest newsletter, so I'm not going to repeat it here. But I'm looking over the orders we've gotten. The first group of orders was common, mostly because I think we've had this coupon code where at checkout you use the coupon code UFO, lowercase UFO, you get 15% discount. How's that? And this guy, one guy who ordered it, 3XL size, which is like big size, biggest size we have. And he ordered one with one logo and one with another logo. And we're both grateful. Absolutely. Hey, thanks. Wear it proudly. Last week, we featured Gary Voorhees, one of the people who saw the infamous Nimitz Tic Tac UFOs. And there's a story now that in response to a freedom of information request, I expect John Greenwald Jr. was responsible for that. They said, we can't give you this stuff. So there's a point, a line of demarcation, Randall, over the stuff you can get and the stuff they're going to hold back. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. From what I was reading, even the stuff that Elizondo managed to, uh, well, not exactly smuggle out, but... He managed to get it released on the assumption that it was going to be for training purposes. And when they found out that he was using it as part of the whole UFO disclosure movement, uh, I guess his superiors weren't too impressed. And they said, "Uh, that's the last you're going to get anything out of us. And yet we still hear these rumors that they've got more films and that more of it is coming. You know, promises, promises, who knows. But what I liked about Gary's approach is he and his uh, the other people who have had experiences like this are putting together this UAP expeditions thing. And so for we're talking about unidentified aerial phenomena or aerospace phenomena. Uh, essentially, it means the same thing as UFO, but some people are are using UAP instead for I don't know exactly whether it really imparts any more credibility to the subject or not, but they want to get an ocean-going vessel, like a fairly good-sized one, and then move up and down the coast uh, between Catalina Island and down where those sightings occurred in order to try to get some more evidence that, of what's going on there. Now, one thing Gary mentioned here is that it seems to be like a window area. Lots of things are happening there, and I didn't pursue it much beyond UFOs or UAPs or whatever you wish to call them, flying saucers. I'm going to go back in time. Flying saucers, whatever they are, if it's a window area, an area that seems to attract strange things, this could be fascinating. But also what seems to happen here is as soon as you get a hold of a place like this and start looking into it, it disappears. Isn't that the nature of the phenomena, though? It's like the TV set that has intermittent problems where, say, the picture cuts out. 
and you take it to the repair shop or the repair shop comes to you because it's a big screen TV and you turn on the TV and everything looks beautiful. And it's just that way. And he tests everything five minutes after he leaves. <laughs> yeah, I had a thing like that happen with a, a muffler repair in my car. I don't know if it's synchronicity or exactly what that is. But then, uh, you know, you could talk to uh, other researchers from that area who I referred Gary too, such as Preston Dennett, who is an expert on that whole area there, he would say, well, he's had people who claim to be able to communicate with them or call them down and went out with someone into the forest where they were able to actually witness one of these things together. For whatever reason, don't ask me why, he didn't have a whole scientific crew with him or a camera or anything else. That also seems to be the case. What is it that is happening with that? Jeff Belanger is joining us this week, and he's listening to us talk, and we'll get into some of his topics in a moment. But have you been following all this stuff, Jeff? I apologize. I have not. I'm not as plugged into the UFO community as I am to maybe others. Not that it doesn't interest me. I guess it just doesn't pull me in as much as others. The thing about it also is we always have these hopes that something's going to happen of something in the UFO field, it's been going on for 70 years. We're on the verge, on the verge, and we never cross the barrier. Wouldn't you say we are on the verge if you look at more of like a, a larger human scale, right? I mean, com compared to 500 years ago, I'd say we are on the verge. Uh, also, I was raised Catholic, and the thing that's most interesting to me in regard to UFOs is that the Vatican is saying more and more about it which to me implies that they're trying to get roughly a billion people in the world ready for some news that they don't want to shake the foundation of uh, 2,000 years of teaching, right? Which I don't think it does at all, by the way. I think you can be Catholic and believe in life on other planets, and I think that's that does. There's, I don't see a conflict whatsoever, but that's just my opinion. And I think the fact that the Vatican has been saying, hey, life on other planets, uh, you know, extraterrestrial activity, whatever— is not going to undermine our faith. Um, that's a very powerful statement, I think, which tell, to me, that's, boy, that's, that's on the verge. Women, women can't be priests. Priests can't marry, but damn it, they're talking about UFOs. Talk about on the verge. <laughs> Come on. Well, of course, if they're hedging their bets there. And they're Maybe. hoping, of course, that, you know, E.T. will come down and they'll have their own religion, but it will be a religion as opposed to E.T. coming down and say, yeah, we visited you a couple of thousand years ago. And maybe the local populace at the time went too far in assuming we were gods of some sort. That would <laughs> really this guy break it open. That would break it we, open. We met this guy named Ezekiel. Seemed like a nice guy, but uh, <laughs> just was really confused. So we left. <laughs> you yeah. know, we thought maybe he was smoking too much weed. No, that's... yeah. You know the Ezekiel passage, right, that describes the ship, the wheels within the wheels, and the face moving back and forth, and all that other stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's this passage in the Bible that's so specific about uh, a, a description of this shield of fire that comes down from the sky and seeing these wheels and these, these uh, creatures on the, on the thing. It is, it, it, the Bible's so full of metaphors and things like that, but this is so descriptive uh, that you wonder 
what the heck this guy saw. And I always thought it would be funny if like time travels invented one day and you've got your time traveling ship and you say, I'm going back to the time of Ezekiel. I want to figure out what the heck he saw. So you land your ship and you look out and there's this guy, Ezekiel, looking at you and writing co- copious <laughs> notes, you know, going, what the heck is that? And that's when you smack your head and you go, oh, man, I'm the Ezekiel ship. Time. Anyway, I better so keep basically, moving. basically, they were saying we saw the gods come down and the gods yeah. are us. Yeah, it would fit, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it, it would fit. Uh, the way human the human mind works and thinks and the way we we look and process things we can't quite understand or grasp it would make a good sci-fi plot i mean you know time travel is a sci-fi trope really but personally i don't think it can happen the way that we see it in sci-fi it's just it's just not really possible but when you do look at that description, I mean, are we really looking at a description or are we looking at somebody just describing something from their imagination, the way that we describe superheroes? What is really kind of interesting about it, though, when you try to visualize what it is that he may have seen and compare it to things that we know, you've got that, like you say, you've got the faces and it's as if they're looking out through these circles and these circles remind me of portholes. We are going to look through this circle. The circle of ants. Couldn't sound good. Gene, Randall and Jeff, you're in The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made in the USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay Wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. 
hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional, off-the-grid mobile survival bug-out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Jeff Belanger, as you know, with broadcasting, especially when you have ads, you want to make a segue. And the segue's got to be smart, snappy, funny. And then it's what I do. <laughs> it's all good. We're all trying our best. Anyway, Randall, you're getting into this fascinating area of discussion. By the way, before we go into time travel or anything else, if you want to see a kind of an interesting romp or a comic book superhero kind of version of what happens with time travelers, look at the CW TV show called Legends of Tomorrow where you have these second grade superheroes trying to be first grade and they go back through time to right wrongs and almost always they leave something behind. Yeah, uh, that does sound like fun. I haven't seen that show, but I think before the break, yeah, we were just talking about the Ezekiel's myth. I suppose we'd probably be most safe calling it a myth, but (laughs) there's the, there's the idea that there's these faces around the outside of the perimeter of this wheel, which are like portals. And there are quite a number of UFO cases where the witnesses have reported these portals with beings that are looking out of them. And then of course, if you consider a flying saucer, it's like a big wheel and it's got different levels, often with a dome in the middle, which is kind of like a wheel within a wheel. So it really starts to fit together. 
that what was seen was some kind of a classic flying saucer with portals and some kind of beings looking out of them. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me one of the theories I've been toying with for years now is that what's the one thing that can tie all the paranormal together, right? From ghosts to cryptids to monsters to UFOs, aliens, everything. And and the one thing that could tie it all together is time, right? Could all of these things make sense somewhere on our timeline? Ghosts are obvious. A hundred. 50 years ago was the Civil War. You see a Civil War soldier. He made perfect sense 150 years ago. He does not make sense today. Uh, we call it a ghost. A cryptid. Could that be an animal that made perfect sense a million years ago, two million years ago, 100 million years ago, but not necessarily right now? Could an alien make perfect sense uh, half a million years from now in the future? You know, is that what we're destined to look like? Will our heads get bigger? Will our arms get more spindly? Because we don't need muscles anymore. We've got machines to do everything, but we do need thicker skin, darker eyes, and so on. I don't know. You know, you just raised something. Fans of Doctor Who. Recent yes, episode. I love Doctor Who. Love they, Doctor Who. They go to this place, the recreation area, and you have these horrible-looking monsters that are killing people, causing trouble. At the end of the episode, this is a spoiler. I'll just say, Doctor Who finds out that they are in a future Earth where climate change destroyed everything and you have these hideous creatures. That's what humans became millions of years from now. She then says that could be just an alternate timeline. You got to watch the episode. Of course. Yeah, that's the thing about time travel. It's it's such a great subject. Like the writer in me loves it because in writing, there's the uh, the problem of painting yourself in a corner, right? Which is uh, when you you're crafting a story or whatever, and and you're stuck. There's nowhere to go. If you have a time traveling device, you're never painted in the corner. You know, you always have an out. Um, so on the one hand, it's probably quite a lot of fun. But the, I'm I'm so in awe of Stephen Moffat who resurrected Doctor Who to the the more modern versions. The way he can weave together not just uh, one episode, but tie it to an episode 20 episodes ago and, and pull in something that's going to come up 20 episodes from now is just, I mean, the brain space it takes to be able to do that is is really incredible. Um, and I love it. I love the theories of it and, and the theories of it that let us wonder. Uh, I mean, physics tells us time travel is not impossible. It's just not practical. Um, we know, we know how to move forward in time. We're doing it right now. One second at a time, you can jump on a commercial airplane and you can actually move faster in time than we are here on the ground. And that's just a, a jet, a regular plane that people are in every single day. It's measurable, but it's so minuscule that you could spend the rest of your life in a plane and you wouldn't really get very far ahead. By the way, Stephen Moffat left Doctor Who in 2017. Yes. Chris Chipnall, I guess that's the way you pronounce it, he's the writer of Broadchurch, brought in as Doctor Who, one of the stars of Broadchurch, Jodie Whittaker, the first female Doctor Who. Right. And she is amazing. You can't tell if you watch Broadchurch that that is what this woman is capable of. But she is the perfect sort of Doctor Who. She's the right degree of wackiness. She's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's. I love the show. I love I love everything about it. But um, but yeah, no, and and it brings up. I mean, you know, fiction has always made us think, right? It's always painted universes that make us wonder. Um, it, it's sci-fi has given NASA 
things to reach for, right? Like objectives and ideas and, and it all just kind of compounds on each other. And that's, I think one of the things I love about the paranormal is, is the story. That's the thing that I I can wrap my hands around is the story of it. The way how one story gets attached to another, gets attached to another, passed around, melds and merges and marries from the Ezekiel ship in the Bible when suddenly UFO enthusiasts see that and say, yeah, that's it. That's a UFO. I mean, read the description. I, I actually pulled it up while we were in the break. Uh, it's Ezekiel 1, uh, 4 to 28. You can read all about the Ezekiel ship uh, and, and how it's described. And you say, boy, that sure does sound like a UFO. It sounds like nothing that should have existed a few thousand years ago. It's amazing how um, we conceptualize and we try to wrap our heads around what these things could be and what they mean to us. Yeah, in our last interview, you were telling us how uh, you have an aversion to labels and prefer to be more of a storyteller than an investigator, and, which I think is cool because it puts the listener into the role of the experiencer. And all too often, it seems that the experiencer plays second fiddle to the, to the phenomena and, and people's theories and everybody's ideas of what it's about. And it just leaves the person who has had the experience kind of still left to deal with it on their own terms right you know and so on just to not to keep harping on poor ezekiel but give him credit again i skimmed it during the break but he just described what he saw right he didn't say these are aliens from another planet he didn't say they're interdimensional beings. He didn't say, I mean, it's in the Bible. So obviously the assumption is this is some sign sent by God, but I don't think he really lays that out. In fact, I'm just glancing at this again. Yeah, I don't, he doesn't really say God sent this message. He's like, here's a weird thing I saw and I'm writing it down. And I applaud that, right? We should all be that objective. <laughs> now it's in the Bible and we're talking about it, but still the experience is what it's all about. That's where it starts. We're going to have to do a break in a moment. I don't want to interrupt you from the thought because we're going to take it to more and more fascinating directions. And Randall is assembled a whole bunch of interesting case histories to look at, okay? So if you want to have ghost stories and where it goes, Jeff Belanger is your guy here because we don't always get into this as much as we should. People say, hey, the Paracast, it should be called the UFO cast or now the UAP cast or whatever they invent to be politically correct five years from now. Jeff Belanger is with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. And he's J. Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. 
We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Both sides in the president's impeachment trial have filed briefs outlining their strategies. Democrats continue to push for witness testimony. House Democrats have now released new documents from Lev Parnas. Some want him as a witness. He is under federal indictment for illegal campaign violations. Democrat Ted Lieu is accusing fellow California Congressman Devin Nunes of conspiring with Parnas to undermine the U.S. government. A lawyer for Nunes threatened to sue Lieu if he didn't apologize. The congressman tweeted his response, welcoming the lawsuit, taking discovery from Congressman Nunes, then adding, or you can take your letter and shove it. Nunes denies conspiring with Parnas, telling Fox... I mean, this is someone who doesn't tell the truth. It's something that didn't happen. He says Parnas is just trying to get a lighter sentence. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature. Changing the world one life at a time. When I wasn't taking it and I was waiting for my operation, I was feeling uh, very tired. Now I'm driving like 11, 12 hours a day. I told you I manage 15 gas stations. And I have so much energy, I even gave some of my pills for my son, and he said, Dad, this is good, so I like it. I'm healing so fast. It's, like, amazing. My family is so surprised because my wound, like, uh, closing up and doing so good. So that is working now that I'm starting taking my uh, those fruits and vegetables. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. For a limited time, you can receive a 30% discount and free shipping on your first preferred order of balance of nature. Call 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. As we continue with Jeff Belanger talking about stuff and ghosts, and continue, please. Yeah, I know we were talking about just wrapping up the Ezekiel ship and talking about uh, the witness. 
the witness is where it starts, right? Someone experiences something weird, whether that's seeing something in the sky, something in the water, on the land, or uh, in their homes, and they tell someone else. And that person believes them just enough to tell someone else. Maybe someone else goes and experiences the same thing in the same location, and a legend is born. And when I use the word legend, as I'm sure we mentioned last time, uh, I'm not saying something is untrue. I'm just saying that something is growing bigger than the original thing. It's, it's the story now that takes over. And so that's what's really fascinating to me because it always starts there. There's, you know, a, a, a paranormal researcher who's looking into haunted houses. First, there was a story that they heard that was believable enough compelling enough that they were willing to give up their time and uh, and go to it and try to to wrap their their gear equipment or whatever else around it um, but it always starts with the story and the experience well, one most- thing I always worry about though when you talk about these stories and they are repeated from person to person how close is the version you're hearing about to what the originator of that story actually <laughs> described? In this case, I think we live in an amazing time. Yes, of course, folklore changes. It's the telephone game. We all know that. We played it as kids. You whisper a sentence to the first kid and they whisper it to the next and so on. And it changes as it moves around the room. But there's elements that stay the same. And a person like me likes to chase it backwards and see uh, how close we can get to the origins. Now, the reason we live in a great time is because the internet has interconnected us and people like me who have been out there for a long time on the internet and things like that, talking about researching ghosts and haunted places and strange stories. Sometimes someone has a strange story happen today and they jump online and go, who do I tell about this? And sometimes they find me and and other people like me. I'm not saying I'm the only one doing this. And they reach out and say, this just happened. What do you think it means? And then sometimes I get to conduct interviews within hours of the actual event. That's as close as we'll ever get to getting the story right. Because what, and I've seen it happen where someone will tell me about a, a profound ghost experience. I was in my house and I looked up the stairs and there was this woman and I, I recognized her. She used to live in this house years ago, but she died and there she was. And what was she wearing? And he'll tell me everything and, and, and take me through it. I'll ask about all the sensory experiences. Did you smell anything? Did you hear anything? Did you, did you feel something first or did you see something first? I ask all the questions I can to try to draw out the experience. What will happen Happen over time is that they'll keep telling the story. And as they're telling it to others, some people may lean in and say, wow, really? And then what happened? And they might start to embellish. They don't mean to. They're not bad people. It just means that they're naturally connecting to their audience, in this case, maybe an individual. Or the opposite happens where they get laughed at or, oh, you're crazy. My good. Are you, are you stupid? Why would you even say something like that? You know, that can't be true. Uh, I've talked to people a year later and I said, hey, remember that story you told me? They go, yeah, you know, I think I was mistaken. (laughs) I said, wow, I talked to you right after and you were pretty darn sure. And why are you mistaken now a year later when you were positive a year prior? And the reason usually is that they've told the story enough that they've been mocked and ridiculed that in their brain they say, you know what, it's just easier to live my life being mistaken on that and to not talk about it anymore than to have this conviction over something that really doesn't affect my life. It, it doesn't have to define me in any way. It's just something I saw. And that happens to every witness of everything. 
right? Gosh, it happens in, in crime. It happens in politics when people start to testify something and you get attacked. Well, that disagrees with my political view. So you must be a liar and a, and a scumbag and everything else. And they go, oh, God, I was just telling you what I knew. But what you know is going to offend some people. So that's something that naturally happens. So we live in a time now when things are being documented, sometimes quite well, soon after they happen. And that is invaluable if you're going to look at this on an ongoing basis. Oh, sure. But even students of mythology will often say that mythology and legends sometimes have a grain of truth. When it comes to investigating the paranormal, especially, well, we're more, like Gene was saying, uh, focused on ufology, but a lot of those cases aren't simply mythology because we have actual records from the government that describe how they were investigating those cases. So a thousand years from now, assuming that the earth doesn't just get destroyed or something like that, those records will still exist. People will be able to look back and go, you know, back in the in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, there was something really strange going on that the Air Force at the time took seriously enough to create a project to investigate. So you're also saying you trust the government. Right. And, and I'm not going to go off. I swear I'm not going to go off on some crazy don't trust the government tangent. However, I remember in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan talking about the Star Wars initiative, and that was the initiative to put up lasers in space to shoot down nukes so nobody could ever nuke us. And it was the greatest bluff ever. Right. It bankrupted Russia. <laughs> you know, it they weren't really working on it. It wasn't viable, but they talked about it a lot and talked about the billions and billions of dollars we were going to spend on this, forcing Russia to spend billions of dollars trying to research it. But we never did. Suddenly, the government understands and has understood for a long time the power of bluffing. I remember seeing an interview with uh, some Air Force high ranking official who said, hey, look, the UFO narrative serves us quite well. You know, as a cover story, sometimes they're testing stuff that we're not supposed to know about. And if you just ridicule someone as a Yahoo who saw a UFO, when in reality they saw something we made that just is top secret, that cover story has served. So on the one hand, you know, letting stuff leak out or whatever could sometimes be strategic, don't you think? Like some sort of strategic bluff for reasons that we may not fully understand yet. You know, there's a guy named James Carrion who wrote two books, The Rosetta Deception and The Roswell Deception. And he suggests that the ghost rockets in the, during World War II and the Roswell incident were really manufactured to freak foreigners, foreign countries that might not be so friendly like the Russians. So there you go. I accept it as a possibility. I accept that there are people that are out there exploring and are paid quite well to explore every possible narrative. We're getting manipulated on social media. That's already happening. We know it, right? We know passing on fake news uh, that serves both sides, by the way, like everybody's doing it. So there are people out there that know how to manipulate the masses to certain ends. And so I think we all have to be smarter and, and more objective when it comes to our consumption of any any sort of information, which I think, again, coming back to why I just love the story so much. Let's break it down to the lowest level that we can break it down. And then that's the thing that we can talk about and, and look at on the table and pass around from one person to another. Yes, it's going to change because you're going to put a little bit of you into it and a little bit of your neighbor into it. But at the same time, it's something that's ours, you know, that we made at least. And if we can trace it back, we can find that truth and, and what it means to us. And that truth is the reason we, we keep it around. 
right? I mean, a legend sticks around because it serves us in some reason, for, for in some way. It, it's 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 a, a group decision. Oh, I do love the stories, but at the same time, uh, maybe it would be advantageous to have some sort of a say a basic classification system and not analogous to like the Heineck Valley UFO classification system where somebody sees say a flyby or an anomaly or a maneuver or a close encounter and to be able to catalog the different types of uh, paranormal experiences that people have. I mean, don't you think that might be a good way to go about studying it as well though? And in, yeah, I, I get it. But I guess to me, and, I, and I've thought about this before, and, and I also recognize that I'm, a, I'm of a different type of person, right? Like there are people that are very analytical and we need them. The world needs them. Of course we need them. Um, that's not me. And I also, uh, years ago, I've, I've run ghostvillage.com since 1999. My goodness, twenty. this is our 21st year, right? And we've been, uh, people have been sharing their their ghost experiences on there for 21 years. And you know just, what? We're not going to last 21 years. All right. Don't do this ahead. break. Let's go ahead. Jeff Belanger, Gene Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite really works. Just listen to what Wayne has to say. Extendovite. I have uh, been taking it for about two years and I had... uh 
really bad heart palpitations. And since I've been taking it, I don't have any major episodes at all anymore. I'm 76 years old and I still play competitive basketball. Well, of course, I've taken care of myself really good since I was 60, but um, Extendivite really helped the blood pressure, really helped the, I used to get really bad episodes of heart palpitations, just skipping beats and double beats. But also I wanted to tell you that I really appreciate your broadcast. They're just uh, really refreshing. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Ghost Village, 21 years. Soon you'll get the gold watch, right, Jeff? <laughs> or at least we can drink legally finally, right? So there's that. So ghostvillage.com has had thousands of ghost encounters submitted to us. And early on, I was right there with you, Randall. I'm like, oh, look, there's they sort of fall into boxes, right? I could see how for something we would call like a residual haunting, where it's like a movie that plays over and over, but it's not interactive. It doesn't seem to be have any connection to the, the witnesses, but it does have a connection to the location. And so you say, well, maybe that's one classification. Another is the loved one, the lost loved one who passed away maybe somewhat recently and came back for that last goodbye. Uh, another one is the sign where, where someone keeps finding pennies on the ground and says, well, that's my grandfather. He used to always give me pennies. So they're connecting the pennies on the ground to the person that was near and dear to them in their life. And, and I kept finding these categories. But the more you looked, the more you realized that you'd need so many boxes uh, that it's almost not worth classifying them because it's a human experience, albeit a fringe experience, but it is a human experience. You know, the, the field of psychology has been trying to put the human emotion and experience into boxes for gosh, over a century now. And there's some really brilliant minds working at that. And we can't, right. We can't predict human behavior. We get close. And, oh, and, and, wait a minute. Sure we can. Go There's ahead. a whole industry called the advertising industry that makes billions of dollars a year off predicting human behavior based on all kinds of psychological factors from what colors make people's nerves react in a certain way to what sort of smells and sounds. I mean, it's huge. No, you're right. And that's, and that's fair. However, do you think that uh, someone could learn enough about you to know the, what, what you're going to do tomorrow? 
Like probably. You, really? I mean, do you yeah, believe probably. that? Or you just being funny. I mean, if somebody no, if somebody really wanted to study me, I'm I'm pretty easy to figure out. You know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm not that complex. I, yeah, I think that we know a tremendous amount, and it's all it takes is the right amount of study. But uh, but then I think you made a really valid point here, though, in terms of the number of boxes. But then again, our experience is limited mainly to our perceptual senses. So, say, if we're going to use an analogy again with uh, UFO sightings, well, there, there's, we could use, say, the, there's, uh, say, an audio, okay, it was an audio situation, or a visual situation, or an audio-visual situation, where people also not only just hear, say, strange footsteps, but also see something. And then you could have the close encounter where they not only hear something and see something, but encounter something. And ha- and then from there, there's you could say go through the different levels where you just see something, encounter it, and that's all there is to it. It's like the image you were saying playing on a film. Then you could have the next step where there's some interaction with it, right? So I could kind of see from a, a research point of view that you could create at least a basic set of types Sure. Yeah. And, and there's, there are people that have done that. And, and not only that, uh, one thing that I've recommended many times is when someone's dealing with a haunted home, for example, which is a whole different ball of wax, right? So if you believe your house is haunted, that's totally different than going to visit a building where you had a ghost experience. You don't live there. You don't have to live there. Um, you need to feel safe and secure wherever you live. And so one of the things that I've recommended for a long time is that people keep a journal and at the very least, if something strange happens, just grab your notebook and pen and write down the day, the time, uh, what's going on, what you experienced, who's in the house. Because while that one piece of data isn't going to tell us much, if you keep up with it over time, you might start to find a pattern. It only happens when this one person is in the house or this one family member is never in the house or it only happens on weekends or it only happens on Tuesdays, like what? What is it about the day and the time? Can we find a pattern over time? Also, what that does is, and this is something I don't really tell the the homeowner, but it it gives them some sense of control over something that's pretty much out of their control, and that's sort of important if you feel afraid where you live, right? And uh, an analogy that we've used is if your home has ever been burglarized. Uh, it's very violating wherever you live, home, apartment, house, whatever. Uh, it's, it's such a violating feeling and it's tough to feel secure when you're in there, especially right after it happened. And so imagine if that burglar's still there, but you can't see the burglar. <laughs> you can't wrap your hands around it. You can't call the police. Uh, it's there and then not there and, and, and comes and goes and so on. It can be a very unnerving experience for the person that goes through it. And so anything we can do to try to regain control of that situation, we find anyway that uh, it, it does help people that are that are living in the home. But yeah, and, you're right. And you were and you were going to say that one of the things that you tell them to help regain this sense of security is what? I'm just telling them this because I think it will help them. I don't think it actually will give them a, a sense of control. It'll just give them a, um, it'll make them feel better, but it's not going to do anything to cure whatever issue it is, right? I mean, I don't have a magic bullet to get rid of these things. Do I you can, mean just um, discussing it with you or well, what I, is it that you suggest that they do? Yeah. Discussing it, I think is, is great among 
the family members that live there. If they're all experiencing it, then talking openly is a good thing. Okay, we're not crazy. We're all experiencing it. Is it just me? Is it just you? Uh, those kind of things will help you, I think, sort of suss out the situation. I can research. I can look into the, the history of the home, see how long it's been there, any tragedies or whatever, talk to previous you know, tenants and say, oh, wow, gee, you're not the only ones to have weird experiences. And all that might make you feel better. I'm not crazy. Other people have had weird experiences here too. My family members are also experiencing it. We're, we're keeping a journal of it. But at the end of the day, what can we do about it? Some people still won't believe you. And others uh, will say, well, you know, why don't you just leave? Which is, uh, if we're being realistic, is sometimes uh, more easily said than done. Some people can't afford to just move. Some people need the job that they have. Some people are upside down on a mortgage and are are buried and have to stay where they are. So there's so many factors that are going on when it comes to like haunted locations and how you document it, how you try to put it in various boxes and so on. I, I mean... I've worked through some, some with some families to try to do this, but it was only to try to make them feel better. It's, it's a Band-Aid. It's not a cure. You know what I mean? Right. So, oh, so I think what you were referring to there is just the, your advice for them to journal what their experiences are. Right. And, it okay. is, and it's data points. If you want to get analytical about it, it does offer you some data points uh, that you can at least look at if, if you're trying to find patterns. I haven't found one case yet that was predictable. Because if it was, my goodness, right? I'd be rich and famous by now, <laughs> right? If I knew it was going to be, uh, you know, the third Tuesday of the month at eight o'clock, I would be selling tickets to that. <laughs> but I can't. Well, that takes us back to the beginning of the show when we were talking about how the phenomena, whether it's UFOs or the paranormal in general or ghosts, hauntings, we don't have the kind of verifiable evidence that would be needed to convince most of the skeptics it has this commonality that it's elusive and ethereal in some sense and just not wanting us to get our hands on it and right but i think it's been proven to the individual right to the individual who shares the story and it was proven because they they shared it uh, or at least talked about it Right. Um, the, the words they use and whatever might tell you how how much conviction they have over what they've experienced. But at the very least, you know, when you see something that you perceive to be a ghost or a spirit, when you say that's my grandma who died three weeks ago, uh, that's it. That's proven to you. I may not believe you. I might say you're mistaken. You're just grieving. That's your your broken heart that's uh, projecting that or whatever. But it doesn't really matter because I wasn't there. You were. And so I think that's something that that happens um, throughout the world with all of this stuff, with all these topics, is that they ex- the person has an experience and interprets it the best they can and reaches some conclusion. And what you say about it or what someone else says about it may not make a difference, uh, you know, to them. They've they've arrived at their truth, and that's what they're going with. Right. Well, or they've arrived at their belief, I guess. Whether that is true or not would be something that is, might be entirely separate from what <laughs> they believe. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's funny how um, uh, you know, true is is it used to be so well defined until just a few years ago, really. Like it was, uh, I mean, two plus two is true unless someone just really doesn't believe it, right? You know, I heard no, one time that's... a contactee. <laughs> 
said something like two plus two is five. And then there's a semi-famous former mayor, a lawyer, who's been on TV and he's very controversial. And three words came from his mouth. Truth isn't truth. True. We, got, right. we got more yeah. to come with Jeff, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing, space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. That's 800-965-1295. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Truth isn't truth. Jeff Belander joins us. I hope what he says is true. Go on. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's it's a funny thing, right? I, and I think more along the lines when, in, in regard to this discussion, I think about friends that I had growing up, but one guy in particular, who's now, by the way, a doctor of theology, a Baptist uh, preacher. He goes around at these churches and all this other stuff. And believe me, I, I'm still friends with him. I have been since we were kids playing soccer. And he is so deeply religious uh, it's his truth, right? You can't argue with him about it. You can't, you can't even bring up counterpoints because he's all in on it. And I love him dearly. And it's, it's great. I don't agree, um, with a lot of it, but at the same time, I respect his conviction. And when he whips out the Bible and says, look, this is truth, right? He means it. 
He means it. This book could say two plus two is 87. And he believes it because it's in that book. Uh, right. You, he believes it. So he, what we're dealing right. with again is belief. You're right. Not you, truth. Correct. But to him, it's, <laughs> it, but to him, it, there's no difference. Right. And isn't that the problem? That's when the, people right. confuse belief with truth. That's I mean, correct. Most people that will actually think about it and have considered it at a pretty deep level, especially in a philosophical sense, we could probably loosely define truth pretty accurately as whatever the case is. Sure. So if we, if somebody makes a claim about something, if that claim happens to be the case, then it is true. Right. A person might believe that it's not the case, but then the truth stands apart from belief. And, and that's why we have things like, say, courtrooms, because one person might believe that something happened in a certain way, or one person is guilty and another person might say, well, no, they're, they're not, they're innocent. By the time everybody gets all of their evidence out, a picture of what is true that is separate from everyone's belief is formed, and the judge can make a decision based on what is true, hopefully, and not what everybody simply believes to be Actually, the Actually, truth is not uh, the burden on the courts. It's beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Well, right. We can try to get as close to the truth as possible. Right. And Sometimes we, we, can, we can do that. Right. But if we can't do that, if we can at least get beyond a reasonable doubt, that's progress. That's part sure. of critical thinking, which is something that you brought up in our last show as well, and something that you do value. You're not simply someone who is in the believer's camp. We both love a good story. I love your approach to the story to storytelling. You have an excellent podcast, which we'll get into some of the subjects there and, and get into some of those stories. But just for our listeners out there who maybe aren't familiar with you, you're not advocating that people don't think critically or just simply buy into whatever beliefs happen to be out there just because it's fun. Yeah. Oh, no, of course not. I, so here's the thing about me. I'm a hard, I'm an overthinker to a fault. I, I'm not proud of this. It's a burden, <laughs> but it's, it's who I am. It's part of my DNA. I really try to look at something from every possible angle, you know, uh, whether it's someone else's point of view or whether it's whatever I'm studying, I want to look at it from the bottom, the top, the left, the right, everything, uh, to try to reach my own conclusions. And because my background is journalism, I've always tried to present both sides. And the funny thing is we live in a time, I remember I was working on a, a TV production. This was, this was over 10 years ago. And I, I was talking to the executive producer and I said, yeah, look, let's present both sides, the, this side and that side, the, the let people reach their own conclusions. And she said something I never forgot. She said, well, if you present equal parts of both sides, you're left with a net gain of zero. <laughs> and I went, yikes, you're right. I mean, she's right in regards to television consumers, right? And things like that. You, you can't just give them both sides and leave it in the middle and say, all right, pick one. They need to be told. That was her point. I mean, and, you know, the stuff we were working on was not high science or culture, but at the same time, that was her point. All of my training, everything else was just like, be objective, get both sides. If you're dealing with a story in the papers, right, you got to get the, the plaintiff and you've got to get the defendant. You, you just have to. You have to, get, you have to hear both sides. The thing is here also, there's something called false balance, which means basically if you know something is provably untrue, 
you can't give it equal coverage to something that at least passively seems to be true. Oh, sure. But I mean, as a journalist, if it's a known fact, you just state it, you know, uh, that this has been proven moving on. You know, if you've got new arguments, then we'll hear it. But this part's true. Then what, what, what are the other parts of the case? You know what I mean? And, and, that, and that happens. There's still decent journalists out there that are doing that in regards to all subjects, right? Whatever it is, even sports, whatever, you know, like that's almost the comforting thing about sports journalism, right? Is that some of it can't be argued. This team scored eight runs. That team scored six. <laughs> you could go watch the game again yourself if you don't believe it. There's something very comforting in that. Maybe we could all learn something from sports reporting. Hmm. No, it's funny. I'm sorry. My brain's drifting off right now because yeah, I know if you. Way, uh, no, I know. I know. Wait, wait. Stay with me. Wait, stay with me. I know. I know some sports reporters, and I'm and I'm thinking. Wait, there's maybe we gotta bring them in, right? Maybe there's something they could teach us about how you uh, how you cover something that that we've all seen. Huh. All right. Sorry. Back to topic. Forgive me. I'm going to chew on that. Though. Well, uh, well, I guess I suppose. All right, let's start off with something related to sports. In in uh, in some sense, the sport of fishing. Oh yes, back in January. Now we're talking about here. Your uh, now you have an Emmy nominated uh, show called New England Legends, and you've got a a podcast to match. And in January, you had one called the Beaver Trout of Vermont. Yes. What the heck is a beaver trout? A beaver trout is a fur-bearing trout. A oh, trout. What? That's right. Yeah, stay with me. So uh, this story has been around for literally 150 years, and it started just before the U.S. Civil War. Some some kids on a lake in the very northern part of Vermont, right on the Canadian border, uh, caught this trout while ice fishing and said it had a fur coat that it had to grow during the coldest parts of winter. And they brought it down and started talking about it. But then the Civil War happened and everyone in town sort of forgot about it for a while. Those two boys lived through the Civil War. One of them came back and became a newspaper man. Started talking about that story again. And everybody leaned in and he said, oh man, this would sell some papers. So he starts writing about the beaver trout. The crazy thing is pretty soon, people's, other people said, well, I've caught one too, right? I've caught a, a trout that has fur on it. And then, uh, and then the story goes away for a while because news cycles, even back then, just like today, people do lose interest, no matter how interesting or bizarre or whatever they, they say, okay, I've heard about the beaver trout. And then they forget and 20 years goes by and then someone else catches one. And this guy, uh, named Mr. Sessions catches one allegedly in December. And he put out a postcard of him ice fishing and this trout, which looks like any trout you've ever seen, maybe 15 inches in length and covered in a fur pelt from right behind the eyes all the way down to the where the tail starts. And people look at the photo and they say, come on, fish don't have, <laughs> right? Like fish don't have fur. That's, it's, they're not mammals. There's no such thing. It cannot be. And so the story goes away again. It comes back in the 1940s. It comes back in the 1970s. People write letters to the paper saying, oh, I've caught three in my whole life. They're very difficult to catch. Uh, you, you really got to be good at your stuff to, to catch one of these things. And, um, and then I found out there is a, an animal called the hairy frog of Central Africa. And if I showed you a picture of it, picture a frog like many you've ever seen, but it's got these very coarse hair looking things sticking out of its legs and on its lower back and only the males. 
it looks it looks like a, a very coarse hair of like a, a guy's beard. And it turns out it's not actually hair. What that is is uh, there's there's uh, capillaries in there, so it can store extra oxygen during mating season, and it can stay below water longer with the eggs and so on. But but it sure does look like hair. If you had one out of the water, you'd be like, that thing has hair. Okay, we got a break now, guys. We got a break. Okay, we'll get. And back we'll to have the more fish us. stories soon. I would say this, not to denigrate those who want to fish. I tried it when I was a kid. It, just didn't make it for me. The same thing for golf. But again, that's me. Jeff, Gene, Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever? We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS. Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-976-1460. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, 
Do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-976-1460. That's 1-800-976-1460. 1-800-976-1460. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Nobody cares about me fishing or not golfing <laughs> or whatever. Jeff Belanger, please continue with the fish stories. Yes, right. So now we fast forward to modern times. And if you go around northern Vermont, various stores and so on will have a mounted fish on the wall with a hairy pelt on it. And so I called the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department, the official, you know, state funded department that every state has. I was pretty soon connected to uh, one of the um, one of the guys that's in charge of the fisheries there. And he said, oh, yeah, I've I've heard about it for years and years. And I said, OK, well, how does this happen? And he said, well, I actually have one on my wall. <laughs> and I went, okay, what? You know, like, talk to me about this. And he said, well, I, I love the story so much. And I'm also an amateur taxidermist. So I took this old trout that we had, and I had this muskrat pelt and I put it together. And now we've got one here on the wall of the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department. It's kind of like this inside joke that's been going around for 150 years and it keeps making the papers and so on. But it also turns out there is a disease called ick that affects fish. It can even affect your aquarium fish if you have a freshwater aquarium. It's a fungus that can grow on a fish, and if it goes out of control, it can cover the fish. And if you looked at it through the water especially, it looks like it's covered in white hair. It's not. It's a fungus, but sure does look like fur. And I can imagine if you're a fisherman and you've heard the stories and you've laughed at it and you've seen the photo, which you know must be doctored, it must just be a, a muskrat pelt on a, on a trout, and you laugh about it. But then you look in the water and you see this hairy fish swim by. That's got to just shake you up, doesn't it? So, suddenly, <laughs> the two things get connected. There really is a hairy trout. I saw one. I saw it covered with white hair. It just swam by me. And there it went. What you okay. saw was a, a sick fish. Now, you produced the show with a fellow named Ray Auger. Osher, yes. Or Osher, okay. Yeah, I mean, the show sounds like you guys actually went out looking for one of these fish. Like, did you actually go out looking for one? Or We do. We're always, like, on adventures. And then uh, we pull in experts. But, you know, keep in mind, the show is extremely edited. It's supposed to be a show. It's not right. just a couple of guys uh, BSing. So um, we've got voice actors. So old quotes and, and newspaper articles and stuff like that. We'll have voice actors read them to kind of keep you in the moment. But it, those are the words from the paper. I didn't make them up, you know? I right, mean, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I love the show. It's really that's, Tell, that's, tell that's, us a bit about Ray. Unfortunately, he's not here to, to speak for himself, but... Uh, Tell us oh, no, I, 
I should speak for him anyway. He's uh, he's, he's a crafty guy. No, Ray, Ray's awesome. <laughs> Ray's a, a a radio guy. He's 25 years in radio. He's the morning guy locally, and and so he and I met years ago because he had me on a show to interview me, and we just sort of kept in touch because he loves weird stuff. And so he's like, "Oh, you got to take me on an adventure." I said, "All right." So we'd go to a few different things, and then we started doing this podcast back in August of 2017. And I said, all right, you want to go on some adventures? Like, let's let's try to chronicle every single legend in New England, uh, just one story at a time. That was the deal. We're trying to get to all of them, which, by the way, I know if I live to be a thousand years old, I will never get to all of them, which is strangely comforting <laughs> in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's amazing how many that you've come up with. I, I've uh, collected a, a list of what uh, are, to me, kind of the highlights. Yeah. And uh, another one back in January. Uh, or it, of this year, actually, not that long ago, the haunted house curve. Yeah, what what is the haunted house curve about? So there's a town in southern New Hampshire called Hampton, New Hampshire, and there's a, a stretch of road. And the funny thing is, it's not so well known as haunted house curve anymore, but it was in the 1940s and 1950s because there was all these car accidents. It's Route One which route one, uh, runs from, you know, gosh, uh, Maine to Miami, but it's, it's that stretch of road right there is, is part of route one, which is a pretty well-traveled road. The reason it's called haunted house curve is because the general Moulton house is right there in that curve. And general Moulton is a guy they say, uh, not only haunts that house, but once made a deal with the devil. He was a, a decorated uh, soldier, first for the British Army, and then served under General Washington during the American Revolution. And they said he was looking for money, and so he made a deal with the devil that he would get a boot filled with gold every single month. And so the devil told him, keep the boot underneath your hearth, and I'll drop the gold in through the chimney. And so what Moulton did was he cut the bottom off of his boot. So the boot could never be filled and the gold would just keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And so uh, he's one of several New Englanders who have been known to outsmart the devil. So the devil's furious because he's losing a lot of gold and he doesn't like being outsmarted. And the story goes, he burned down Moulton's house and Moulton rebuilt. Of course, he had plenty of gold to do it, according to the story. And then his wife gets sick. And he has one of her friends take care of him, but as she's taking care of her friend, he's taking care of her, and pretty soon his wife dies, and there's a lot of speculation that he actually killed her, uh, as opposed to letting nature take its course, because suddenly he gave all of the jewelry he had ever given to his wife, he gives it to his new girlfriend, who was also her caregiver, and in less than a year, they're married, and it's very scandalous, uh, and poems are written about it, and how the, the ghost of his his dead wife is standing over the, the marital bed, taking her wedding ring off of the new bride, you know, in the middle of the night, and it's just these great stories, and then when he passed away, it was said that he haunted the house forevermore, bootsteps and so on. And the thing about Haunted House Curve is that there have been multiple accidents over the years. And if you think about that, imagine if you're driving down that road, and I don't care if you believe in ghosts or not, but you go, ooh, this is Haunted House Curve. Oh, look, over there. See, and it's not close to the road either. It's set back a little bit. There's the Molten House way over there. Yeah, they say that. Yeah, see it? See it over there? There's, oh, geez, you're not watching the road, right? <laughs> Wham! <laughs> And you're now part of the story forever. Haunted house curve cursed because the devil made a deal with some guy in that house over there and it's haunted and you weren't paying attention and you just wrecked your car. That sounds awful. I mean, 
<laughs> we just hope that doesn't actually happen to anybody. Yeah. But it could. It does. Right. My God. OK. A few years ago, I was called by a, a, a television station in the Carolinas somewhere. There's a ghost train that's supposed to run at midnight every I, I want to say it's like August 28th because it's my sister's birthday. If I'm remembering correctly, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's once a year, specific day, specific time. And this ghost train runs on real train tracks. And some people went out looking for the ghost train. And, of course, one of them gets hit by a train and dies by a uh. real train. Right? And I'm sure there's alcohol involved. I'm sure they're at the bar. They're going, the ghost train is tonight. Let's go, man. Let's go. And so suddenly they're out there. And uh, how tragic, right? You're now yeah. a, per- a permanent part of that story. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. That's right. And so it's not all that weird to think about Haunted House Curve. If you are distracted by anything, uh, my friend who owns the Lizzie Borden house in Fall River, Massachusetts, man, there's fender benders there all the time because you're looking at the house and not at the road. And that one is right up against the road. So we do get distracted by legendary things. And that's just another example. I'm going to ask one thing before we break is, does that therefore create the effect of wishful thinking? And in other words, you're looking so hard to see something weird. Maybe you do see something weird or you something does happen, but you're inclined to interpret it as being what you expected to see. Jeff, Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNlife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump's legal team has issued its response ahead of opening arguments in his impeachment trial, while House Democrats laid out their case, saying the president has abandoned his oath and betrayed the public trust. The White House plans a couple of different defense strategies, arguing the impeachment articles allege no violation of law. The Senate trial is a product of a flawed process of the House, and the case collapses on the facts. They're trying to impeach the son of a b-. Can you believe that? On Capitol Hill, House impeachment managers filed a trial brief establishing the president is guilty of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. It follows a document dump on Friday by Democrats with even more evidence from Lev Parnas, who's an associate of President Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. This is USA Radio News. 
Our U.S. Constitution is amazing. It's full of what's called negative rights, designed to protect us from the corrupt powers of a dictatorship. Like our right to worship our own God, not some official state religion. Our right to prevent the government from seizing our property without paying fair market value for it. Or our right to be tried by a jury of our peers, people like us, not by some star tribunal. And that's why America has become the richest, most just society in the world. Other countries force so-called positive rights onto their citizens. These enable one one group to take from another group their free speech, money, and choice by using government force. Socialists love wielding this power over people. Sometimes we take our freedoms for granted, but we can lose our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and become like Venezuela or North Korea, failed, brutal socialist regimes. We need your help to spread the good news about our amazing U.S. Constitution. Help us take back America. Go to OurAmericanRights.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Message and data rates may apply. Help, seriously, I'm too young for hair loss. My hairline keeps creeping back. Receding? I've got this bald spot. Uh, it's thinning everywhere. I'm going to have to give up and shave it. Dude. Put down the razor, because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, is about to give you your real hair back permanently. Don't ignore the signs of hair loss. Bosley is giving away an absolutely free information kit that reveals all the signs and a free gift card to anyone who texts KIT88 to 85850. Bosley will show you for free how great your hair could look. Using the latest technology, Bosley's solution to hair loss is permanent and protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Plus, since Bosley has new non-surgical options, you owe it to yourself to text now for an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off, no matter what level of hair loss you have. Text KIT88 to 85850. K-I-T-88 to 85850. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Jeff Belanger, my little point here. Yes. Aren't we seeing here possible examples of self-fulfilling prophecies? We expect to see it, we do. Sure. That ex- of course, that accounts for some of it. it. Of course it does, right? But then there are the people that don't know about it, have no connection to it, and suddenly experience something. And they say, well, what did I just see? Why did that happen here? That, to me, is, are, are the most interesting stories. So yeah, that is all part of the discussion. The people that heard about uh, a place where sightings occur, whether they, whatever they kind they are, they go there looking for them. They don't want to be let down either. And so they look really, really hard and any little tiny thing suddenly becomes paranormal. Yeah, of course, that's all part of this. It's all part of it. And then there's the people, the, the skeptics, right? Who say, well, shoot, I just saw something weird, but that doesn't fall into my belief system. Therefore, I must be mistaken and it can't be real. That happens too. It's a strange world we live in, isn't it? One of your stories just hit me because I'm looking at a list that Randall had done, the Robin Hood of Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. So my point with that story is that uh, the Robin Hood that you know and love as the one in like Sherwood Forest, the whole thing, I actually believe he was born in Westboro, Massachusetts, more than Sherwood Forest. 
And the reason for that is, number one, we don't know of any historical Robin Hood, right? He's kind of a conglomerate of different ideas. And there was a time in England when, uh, you know, there was a there was a huge disparity between the haves and the have nots. And there were people out there in the woods that were robbing noblemen, but they were just robbing them and killing them. It had nothing to do with giving it to the poor. Or in this case, the poor was also the person robbing them. So yeah, I guess that that was true, right? I robbed and murdered the the wealthy and gave it to myself. So that story gets gets passed around in poems and things like that. But really it was it was an American idea that turned Robin Hood from that historical those historical events into the figure of this noble thief you know that was a, that's a much more modern idea and so anyway in westboro massachusetts there was a guy that was born and and this is a uh, little tom cook and he's another deal with the devil kind of person from new england when he was really little he was sick and the story goes that his mother prayed over him had all the deacons pray over him and she said look i don't care what come what may, I want him to just get better. And the deacons were appalled because usually you just pray for God's will to be done, whether that's take his life or make him better. But no, she didn't care. She just wants him better. And they interpreted that as making a deal with the devil on behalf of her son. And they say the boy grew up and was just a terror, a real ne'er-do-well. And when he's 13, the devil comes calling to collect his, his soul. He figures he's been around long enough. And little Tom Cook thinks quick and says uh, he's getting dressed one morning when the devil walks into his room to take him down below to hell. And he says, listen, devil, just give me a minute to put my suspenders on and then I'll go with you. And the devil nods and says, okay. And then he takes his suspenders and he throws them in the fireplace so they burn up. And he never wears suspenders again, so the devil can never take his soul, is his wonderful origin story. And he grew up figuring, well, now that I'm free of uh, the devil can never have me, and heaven sure doesn't want me, he was just had total freedom to just do whatever he wanted. And he was known to rob from the wealthy and give to the poor with impunity uh, all around New England, really. But he started in, in little Westboro, Massachusetts. And his stories were, were pretty well documented. He was born in 1738. And all through the mid-1700s, he was doing this until one day uh, some noblemen caught up with him and pretty much beat him within an inch of his life. And, and his story just sort of fades away. But he was so well documented around here that the belief is that that story made it to England and then sort of mixed with those early origin poems of the the hooded thieves who would murder and rob the the noblemen and it sort of blended into this idea of the noble thief who's not going to kill you he's just going to rob you he's going to give to the poor and then of course later on we added maid marian and the merry men and all this other stuff and so when you watch those disney cartoons of robin hood i think actually the the guy from massachusetts has a lot more influence on that character than anyone from Sherwood Forest. Therefore, the fact that Kevin Costner, who did (laughs) a Robin Hood version with his American accent, was more accurate than Carrie Elwes using the Uh, British accent. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to pull off, right? I mean, think about it. That's a story that everyone knows. Robin Hood, right? How are you going to do it again? It's just been done and done and done. My favorite is still the one where it was the fox, the Disney cartoon one, right? Where the the fox is Robin Hood. I just wanted to to clarify, you're talking about this origin as being actually a real person and not just a myth. 
I'm saying the earliest parts are a myth, a conglomerate right. of, of vague people. And this real guy, Cook from Westboro, Massachusetts, I think his story had a lot okay. more influence on the fiction than anything else. So Cook was a real guy. Cool. Cook was a real guy. Yeah. Whether he made a deal with the devil, I mean, that's that's you know that stuff. Same oh, with sure. General Moulton, right? Like another deal, another guy made a deal with the devil and outsmarted him. So the devil did tradition. not go down to Georgia. He went to <laughs> he New England. He started here, man, for sure. We have devil's footprints all over New England. There's one in Maine, and it's it's this great story. This uh, they were building the church. This is a, a mid 1700 story, and they're, they're building a church, and they they. Anyone who's ever put a shovel in the ground in New England knows the one thing that we have in abundance is rocks. You know, you can't dig a more than a couple of inches without hitting one. They're digging for the foundation of this church, and they hit a big one, a big, big rock that just wouldn't wiggle. And the story goes that one day this worker said, you know, I would sell my soul to the devil to move this rock. And that's all you got to say. And everyone gasps and says, oh, you can't say something like that, right? <laughs> and the next day, they show up and the rock's been moved. It's been moved to the stone wall nearby. And that worker's never seen again. But on the rock, you see this triangular like hoof print. And then you see what looks like almost like a human footprint. And they say that was it. That was the deal. The devil's hoof is the one behind and the human footprint trying to get away is the one in front. And that rock is still on display. You can go see it to this day. I've touched it. We photographed it. You could see the the triangular hoof print. You can see what looks like could be sort of a human print. And it's right there, right next to the meeting house church. And it's a story that they're kind of all too happy to tell, right? Because there it is. Go outside and look. You could touch it. You could take a picture, take a selfie with it, whatever you want. Because the moral is, if you sell your soul to the devil, you'll get what you want, but at a price you may not want to pay. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. (laughs) That's right. So imagine you get to preach that from the pulpit, and it's a nice day outside, and you go, come on, let's go. Let's go outside. I'll show you the rock. There it is. You know, and you've got this physical evidence 25 feet from the church and everybody can see it and touch it. Fun stories. Let's go to another story. I have somebody here. We're not going to actually get through all these. Okay. All right. This is one that gets us back into another aspect of our paranormal universe. We're going to break in a moment. America's Stonehenge. Oh, yeah. Tell us that. America's Stonehenge, we have our own version. Uh, It's in Salem, New Hampshire, which is the southern part of the state. Uh, It's a site that's been studied since at least the 1950s. It's also known as Mystery Hill. And it's a small hilltop. If If you go up to the top of it, there are these alignment stones all around. And when the you know various sunrises or sunsets hits the two alignment stones, that marks different events like solstices, equinoxes, but also interestingly half holidays, the halfway points between the solstices and equinoxes. And this uh, the site's been studied by Harvard University. Dr. Barry Fell um, studied it, and it turns out these alignments are just the tiniest bit off. Because the earth wobbles as it rotates on its axis. And he's saying the last time it would have been perfect was about 4,000 years ago. And that's really shakes up what everybody thought they knew, right? It looks sort of European in origin, but we don't think Europeans were in New England 4,000 years ago. Not impossible at all. Let's just take our time machine, our wave rider, and go back to see it. Jeff, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast.
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of 
my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Funny, Jeff Belanger, how conventional wisdoms can be confounded by little nasty things like truth. Yeah, isn't that something? So uh, just to finish on America's Stonehenge, I have been to Stonehenge in England. And when you walk up to that site, you just go, wow, how did they do this that many years ago? This is, it's impressive. It really is. It's, it's something to behold. When you walk up to America's Stonehenge, you're not struck with how did they do this? You're more struck with why did they do this? Because the stones, the alignment stones are maybe four or five feet in height. I mean, two or three guys could easily get these things in place. You know, no, they're, they're big and they're heavy, but it's not. It's not insane. But the, the strange thing about it is that when you, when you look at it, it is a calendar. I would argue that next to farming, a calendar is probably the most important uh, discovery in human history, right? And, and, and one could even argue more important than farming, really. The, the earliest calendars go back maybe like 13, 14,000 years, the same time when people stopped being nomadic. And if you're going to farm, you need a calendar of some kind. It would be life and death, right? You would learn year after year, generation after generation, when this sunset or this sunrise aligns with these two stones, we plant this seed and we get the best results. We harvest when it's here. We hunt these animals when these alignments are over here. If you hunt these animals too early, you might wipe them out and then you'll have no food source. If you plant this seed too early, it'll freeze and it won't grow. If you harvest too late, it'll rot, right? These are things that would be fine-tuned generation after generation and be passed down from one person to another because your life and not just your life, your whole family, your whole community depends on it if you're not going to be nomadic. If you're going to stay put, you've got to get it right. The most interesting feature of America's Stonehenge is there's this stone tablet that looks like your kitchen cutting board. It's a large flat stone, maybe five and a half feet in length, maybe two and a half, three feet wide. And it's got this groove carved all around it, just like your, your cutting board for your steak to collect the juice. They call it the sacrificial table. It's believed that, as we know, any of us who've ever planted a garden or, or grass or flowers or anything, even when you follow all the rules, when you plant at the right time and give it water and, and harvest and everything at the right time, sometimes things go wrong, right? Sometimes there are droughts, there are blights, there are you know animals come and, and, and eat your, your crops or whatever. And when that happens... You followed the rules, which, by the way, weren't just dictated by the sun and stars. At some point, that's going to be literally sacred. They're going to say, God above has told us when to do this, right? That, look, the sun sets there, we plant, we do this, we do that. So if you followed all the rules and something went wrong, clearly you need to do something to make it right. And this sacrificial table, they believe, was a place to go and try to make that right. Whether it was human sacrifice or animal sacrifice, we don't really know. 
but this is clearly a sacred site. And if you believe Harvard, it could be close to 4,000 years old. And the strange thing is, though we know full well there were humans living here 4,000, there were humans living here 10,000 years ago, for sure. Uh, Native Americans have been here a long time, but they didn't seem to work in stone like this. So it's really a head scratcher as to who built it and why. Yeah, I guess if there's been some theories out there that, uh, was it Scott Walter? He's, uh, yeah. yep. you know, he, he's pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of people like to dispute his work. And, and there are people, especially in what we call up here in Canada, the First Nations, that uh, they don't like those kinds of discoveries, especially if they seem to predate their own cultures, because it implies that there was actually someone else here before them. So it could get fairly political, too. Really quite interesting stuff. We know there was uh, the Vikings were over here, like long before Columbus, right? I mean, they were they were up in Canada for sure. And they've left marks as far down as Martha's Vineyard. And it's and there's no reason to believe they wouldn't keep sailing south, right? I mean, if you keep finding land, why wouldn't you keep following the coast? I mean, right. right. Yeah. I mean, that's just logical. So I think uh, Scott's theory was had something to do with uh, the Aztecs or the Mayans possibly. And then there's another one that say that the Chinese had ships that could cross the ocean on the other side uh, uh, and, and landed in California kind of thing. So there are these mysteries and, and I think they're pretty cool. They are. But just a finish, finishing thought on America Stonehenge, if it was built 4,000 years ago, someone intended to stay there. Right, someone intended because that's it's a lot of trouble. <laughs> you know, it's it's quite yeah. a bit of, a bit of effort to build this thing. And again, literally, the three of us could build it. It's it's there's no stone there that the three of us couldn't put in a place or whatever. But the precision of it is the impressive part when you look at it. And and again, solstices and equinoxes, those four points on the the year are sacred in almost every culture around the world. Right, because it's. It, it's not an arbitrary day. It's a very specific moment that occurs every year, all the time, since the beginning. And halfway between those dates are what, especially like the Celtic people, they called them half holidays. You know, the halfway between uh, summer and winter and halfway between winter and spring and so on. So those eight points on the calendar year are, are, are sacred. And the fact that this America Stonehenge not only marks the solstices and equinoxes, but also those halfway points makes us sort of look toward the Europeans and say, well, what were you doing here 4,000 years ago? And where, where, what other evidence is there besides this one site? It's, it's, it's really, it's perplexing. Definitely, it's a mystery to be solved. Speaking of solving mysteries, another one you did in uh, January, Boston's Psychic Sleuth. Now, th these have been very controversial. The skeptics will say there's never been a case of an actual psychic sleuth. Other people will say, no, no, they know people in the police departments who have hired psychics. So what, what is Boston psychic sleuth all about? So there was a story that, again, timing, so interesting on this one. It was 1846 when a young man from the Bruce family of Milford, Massachusetts, took a borrowed wagon into Boston. And back then, that would have been about a two-day ride. Uh, it's only like 26 miles, but on a, with a, a horse and wagon during that time period, it would have been about two days. And took it into Boston to sell a load of straw and things like that for his family and was never seen again. 
So his family, of course, is looking. They're putting the word out to authorities. What happened? Uh, the the horse was was sold uh, after no one had claimed it after so many days in a stable in Boston, and so on. And it was just absolutely perplexing. Two years later, the, uh, the the family's daughter goes into Boston, and suddenly she's at the doorstep of a psychic medium who says, "I know about your brother." And she comes home and she tells her father and her father goes to see the psychic and and suddenly she's he's given information that, no, your son is is uh, buried in a tomb uh, on the neck. And the neck is a place uh, on Boston back before a lot of land was filled in. Today, it's West Roxbury, which is sort of like a suburb of Boston. There's a tomb there and, and you'll find him there. And so the father says, all right, I'll go look. And the story goes, he opens the crypt and there's his boy. I mean, he's, he's rotting, but he recognizes the clothes, recognizes the color of the hair, even his misshapen teeth. And this psychic helped him find his son. Um, and it's making all the papers. The thing that's so curious about this time is that the spiritualist movement had just been born, right? And it's in the papers, these these old stories, right? Now, the spiritualist movement was born in the 1840s in, in Hydesville, New York. And this is the, the Fox sisters. They hear the knocks on the wall and they start communicating with it and say, Mr. Splitfoot, do as I do. And they're clapping patterns. And the story goes, by the end of the weekend, a hundred neighbors had witnessed this crazy phenomena. There's the girls communicating with spirits. They went on to become the, the Jonathan Edwards and the Sylvia Browns of their day. They did psychic readings in theaters. They would sell out theaters and do psychic readings and you'd hear these claps coming from seemingly nowhere as the girls would communicate with spirits hugely popular so now suddenly psychic mediums are popping up not just the fox sisters but now they're popping up everywhere and this is exactly the kind of pr that the movement needs right you've got it's not just come communicate with your dead grandma this is this is a brand new phenomenon today when when we hear about it like you said you're like oh come on the, the the police don't seek these people out this is like just a few years old so it's brand spanking new there's no one to even doubt yet and suddenly you've got this case that that the the people in the spiritualist movement are talking about like yes it's so much more than communicating with your dead grandma this guy was reunited with the body of his son and not only that story goes further to suggest that she could point him to the killer and she led to one man to another to another and the father spent uh, you know years trying to to get a conviction based off of this psychic testimony and uh and and then the the, the trail kind of goes cold the newspapers don't report on it again probably because there's no conviction there's no arrest there's no nothing but the the bigger point is that it made the paper because this is all brand new and 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 used as an example of um you know how these powers can help solve crimes we've got some powers here the powers of advertising more to come with gene randall jeff you're in the paracast you are listening to gcn visit gcnlive.com today we also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. 
all this stuff, you go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, of course, we hear about psychics who allegedly work with police departments. Jeff Ballanger to help hopefully solve crimes. There's that TV show Medium, which was based on a genuine person who lives in the Phoenix area who allegedly could do this sort of thing. But has it ever been proven? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's a funny thing because I don't follow the psychic world too much. I like this story because it was just a great story from from you know the 1800s. I can't relate to those abilities because I don't feel like I have them. And so I've been on investigations. I've been in events where there are people who claim to be psychic mediums, and they say right behind you, Jeff. There's there's a man in a in a brown coat standing there right now, and you know. I'll turn around. <laughs> if you tell me that, I, I'll turn around and I'll look. And if I don't see the man in the brown coat, we're at an impasse. You know what I mean? You say he's there. I don't see him. I hate to call you a liar because I'm not in your head. However, I don't see him. So I don't know what to do with that information, right? I can't blindly trust you because I'm just not wired that way. But at the same time, maybe you have different perceptions than I do. But still, it, it kind of leaves us at an impasse. So I tend to not follow the psychic stories only because I can't really relate to them. By the you way, the woman had... I'm talking about here is Alison Dubois. Yeah, right. Sure. Right. Now, I don't know whether she has any abilities or not. I assume she made some money from that TV show, which lasted for several years. Yeah. Here's the thing, too. Do you ever play this game? I do play this game. I'll, you ever like sit at the mall or something and you just look at someone walking by and you go, Oh, that guy. Betty drives a BMW. Betty's like kind of a jerk to his wife or girlfriend and is that snotty boss, right? You ever play that where you just look at someone, you know, not a thing about them, but you just sort of like make up the backstory? You know, I haven't, but maybe I'm just a rare breed. 
it's I don't know. Randall, you done it? Uh, when I've been in a certain frame of mind that I won't go into too much detail on. Yeah, you can't okay. help but notice it. Right. So you, you make up this backstory. And here's the crazy thing. There's a good chance that you, you hit a couple things there. Right. Because people do sort of fall into types. And you might be way off. The guy could be like a saint who drives a beat up old pickup truck and, and helps the homeless all day long and, you know, is curing cancer in his spare time, right? You, you might be way off. But in reality, we tend to uh, be a, a somewhat decent judge of character because it's part of our survival instinct. If, if I can't figure out who to trust and how to trust, then I won't last very long in a society that's interconnected the way ours is. Well, let's put it this way. I do believe in intuition. Right. That's very much so. And I do believe in tempering intuition with facts and critical thinking. But at the same time, I do believe that there is valuable information that you can trust that feeling to at least as a starting point. And if you don't have a very good feeling as a starting point, well, you know, don't make that your final decision. Look for some real evidence to back it up. But if if something is saying caution, careful, you know that your spider sense is tingling. You, you know it, it might be a good idea to just back off a little bit. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I found that um, if you ignore your gut instincts on, uh, especially on people, uh, you do so at your peril. Right? There's something physically inside of you that's that's making you uncomfortable. And I get it. You don't want to just go on that, but at the same time, that's. That has a lot of value to me. And, and the opposite can be true, too. Sometimes you get a really good feeling and you say, wow, I don't know. I, I really like this person. All they said was hello. So I think, yes, intuition. So could it be that you know some, some of the psychics and mediums hear the, the details of the case and they're just really able to put themselves into the mind of, you know, of the criminal? And, well, have and, you ever had any experiences yourself that way? Or any, what about your own psychic experiences or paranormal experiences? Just a quick recap on any that that might stand out for you in your life. I, I will. Okay, let me just tell this story real quick. So I, I've worked on ghost adventures for eleven years now on the Travel Channel as the writer and researcher, and we've worked on a couple of cases where we were investigating the building, usually twice now, a home where mass murder took place, serial killers. Serial killers lived there and operated there. And in both of these cases, the one, gosh, I can never forget, Alvarez, I I forget the woman's name. She was in California. What she was doing is she would seek out a specific type of person to be a tenant in her house. Usually someone that was mentally disabled, definitely someone without a lot of family or no family around, and someone that was on getting some sort of disability check. She would get you to rent a room in her apartment, in in her house, and then she would kill you. And she would keep those checks coming, right? So the checks would keep coming, she'd kill you, and then rent your room again. And ideally, she's got three, four, five checks coming per room. And and she was doing this because she was seeking out people that nobody really paid attention to, the unwanted, the the you know the people on the edge of of society. But the thing that blew me away was where she was putting the bodies, and where she was putting the bodies was in her backyard. Uh, many of them, right now, in my brain, I'm like, wow, if I were killing people, I'd want them far, far away from me as possible. But that's not how that's not how really sick serial killers think. They keep them close because no one would think of that. 
how warped is that? And we've seen it more than once where people know, keep them close. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, right? He put his victims underneath his house in his basement. My God. And so if you can get into the minds of people like that, maybe you can solve crimes. Is it psychic or is it just you putting your, your brain into a place that, um, where, where they could be? Are you able to, to get your, your mind into them, into how they would think, and then you are able to sort of like draw your own conclusions? Well, what would I do if I was like that? And, and maybe they are helping the police. I don't know. Well, I know. Okay. So something not as nefarious as that, but uh, I uh, had a friend here who lived in Calgary. This is just an aside. This is an experience I had. And uh, I went to visit him. I'd, I'd uh, moved back to town and I went to where he, I knew, knew that he lived before, but it turned out that he was no longer at that address. And I didn't know where he was. Uh, the person said he, that they had moved out. Um, some weeks before, and they didn't know where they'd gone. And so I turned around and I looked out onto the street and I just imagined which way I needed to go to find this friend of mine. I got in my car, I drove down to the, down to the end of the street, I made a right-hand turn, I drove for some number of minutes, made another turn, another turn, and another turn, drove into a condo complex and pulled up right next to his car. And to this day, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I have no idea. I just know I did it. And and, and it, for me at the time, it just didn't seem like anything that was should be out of the ordinary. Looking back at it, I go, I really don't know that I could do that again if that happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> But I mean, this is yeah. so. So you're you're totally wasting your talent and ability, and finding your buddy when you could just get on your phone and call him, and not helping the police. So you're saying you're kind of a horrible person, Randall. That's what I'm hearing. Well, this is years ago before cell phones. So oh, okay, uh, yeah. So and I well, then again, I still don't use a cell phone. So I guess maybe I don't need to. <laughs> right. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Save myself the bill and the hassle. Well, right. That would be a great thing. That'd be a great thing. Not have to pay that cell phone bill. Not have to get the smartphone. You wouldn't even need the computer or the screens because the big thing about the smartphone is that it's basically a screen that you do things with and some speakers and the rest is the consists of the electronics and everything. Imagine if you didn't need that. Maybe you point your finger somewhere and you see a little rectangle and there's your picture. You don't need a TV set anymore. It can be any size you want. Well, that's an interesting science. That's an interesting sci-fi story. Maybe I should be the one to write it. And it's called Black Mirror. It's on Netflix. I've seen it. Aha. That's a pretty uh, good series. Yeah. It's a well, you great see, series. You see, I'm yeah. too late. I'm too late. Too late. Hey, hey, we got more to come with Jeff, Gene, and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. 6637. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio, the media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. But you see, if I tried to develop that, if I tried to develop that TV series, they would get me for infringement, right? Well, I don't know. Are there any new ideas anymore uh, in Hollywood? I'm not sure. Oh, there's new ideas that people come up with from time to time. There's so many things you can blend together. It's like music. It right. might there might be some things that are sort of similar to another thing, but you can add a new element to it and and i could probably come up with new ideas all day long if somebody wanted to pay me the big thing about tv shows now is reboots oh, they've I tried know. it some have not succeeded but hawaii 5 is a huge success magnum pi macgyver okay is that back oh god macgyver is back and it returns <laughs> this season i mean it's crazy or they make a new series about a character that has been featured in other series. I mean, how many Superman series have there been on TV? Yeah. There was the one with George Reeves. I'm talking about live action, not cartoon. Yeah, right. George Reeves. Yeah, black and white. Sure. Sure. They did some color episodes towards the end. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman in the 90s. In the early 2000s, they had Smallville, which is the young Superman, where you see Clark Kent as a teenager trying to discover his powers. And now you've got guest appearances of a Superman on the Supergirl show, and there will be a new series coming up this fall, Superman and Lois, as parents of, I don't know, a super baby. <laughs> Why not? Oh, God. It's funny. I, I'm not a, much of a comic book guy. I never really was. So, like, all those comic book shows and movies don't call to me, but, uh, but I, I respect that it does certainly does to millions of other people. In all of those shows, there is there tends to be at some point along the way a mad scientist. Yeah. And uh, back in August, you did a show called "The Immortal Mad Scientist of Malden." Now that's got me curious. Yeah, that was that one was great. That one um, it had me curious too because what I love about it is there's so many specifics to it. Um, so there's there's this guy named Ephraim Gray who lived in Malden back in the mid 1800s and his reclusive guy just kept to himself and he had a manservant who lived in his house and these strange smells would emanate from his house and his strange sounds and things like that and everybody wondered what he was up to and then one day in 1850 uh, his manservant comes to the front door and announces that his master had passed away and he tells the neighbors gathered there that look there's there's two things the manservant's going to inherit the house and property because there's no one else to leave it to on the condition that he uh, tells everyone what his master had been up to for these past few years. And what he'd been up to was working on an elixir for immortality. And he was supposedly testing it on himself. And it's just father time caught up and too late. He passed away. Number two is that he's to go directly to the family crypt in the Malden Cemetery right now. No funeral, no service, nothing. Just get him right into the crypt and that's that. So he did. And uh, people never quite stopped talking about him. You fast forward 20 years and some students from Harvard Medical College hear this story about this guy that was working on this elixir and they get curious and the story goes that they break into his crypt and they open the casket and they're shocked 
to see that he ha- looks like he's been in this casket 20 minutes, let alone 20 years. He's not decomposed in any way. He's perfectly preserved. They, they cannot figure it out. It's amazing. They marvel for a few minutes and then they close the casket up, close the crypt up and sneak back out. Now, 1900 comes along, and Malden, which was just this sleepy little community of 3,000 people, is now 30,000 people and basically a suburb of Boston at this point as Boston continues to grow and sprawl outward. To make room for bigger buildings and wider roads, they need to remove this cemetery from downtown Malden. And as they crack open Ephraim Gray's crypt, they open his casket, and they're shocked once more because he's gone. There's I no, love it. I nobody there. love it. <laughs> There's nothing there, right? Some of the old timers say, okay, I, I know what happened. The elixir worked. It just took some time to kick in and he got up and walked out, right? Like that, that must be it. And other people, the skeptics among them said, no, no, no. Those kids from Harvard, remember that? They snatched the body. I'm sure of it. They took him back to Harvard and I bet they, they did some experiments on him and, and, and then disappeared. I'm the kind of guy that hears a story like this and goes, oh man, this is great, right? So I start looking into it. So Harvard has no record of an Ephraim Gray or anything like that. And you say, well, of course not. You don't keep a record of body snatching, right? That's not something you put in the uh, brochure or anything like that. Uh, And then I found a book that was a listing of all the births, marriages, and deaths of Malden from like, you know, an 80-year period. One of those boring books that many towns have. And I found no Ephraim Gray in there whatsoever, right? There's there's no one named Ephraim Gray. So that's a bummer, right? Uh, And I said, oh, maybe this is just some made-up story. But I didn't give up hope. I actually went to the uh, the, uh, Ancestry and I, I subscribed to various research services. And I found an Ephraim Gray, uh, who was a shoemaker, born in New York, and who at, at the in 1850 was living like just 20 miles away, 20 miles to the northeast of Malden in a in a small town called Essex, Massachusetts. And it said he was a shoemaker. And I said, okay, wait a minute, shoemaker, right? Shoemakers mm-hmm. in the 1850s would be using chemicals for like tanning leather to preserve it. Right. So maybe this is the guy. Maybe it's the right guy, right story, but the wrong town. That happens. You know, sometimes uh, stories travel. So I did some more research and I found his uh, his complete ancestry record. And it said he was born in something like 1822 or something like that. And uh, I'm looking at the official census record and it said, you know, born uh, New York, his full name, Ephraim Alonzo Gray, 18. 22 dash and, and that's, that's it. it that's no. all it said and i went Whoa! <laughs> this is, in the, this is awesome. in the ancestry record and i went okay wait a minute wait a minute there's only so, two possibilities here just two right one is that you know there's, there's no record of his death so they don't have it in there but the one that makes much more sense to me is that he's still not dead He's out there totally alive. Yeah, if you're listening to the show, man, like, uh, you know, send us a thumbs up. Yeah, you're you're probably about 200 years old at this point, pretty close, and we really need you to get in touch. Like, I can't stress stress how important (laughs) it is that you get in touch with us. We we have so many questions that we would like to ask you. Anyway, but it it was just so much fun to, like, find that and just be like, whoa, (laughs) no record of his death. (laughs) That's awesome. And here I thought I was going to be uh, getting into lighter, uh, you know, the lighter side with the uh, Simeon carries gold hunting chickens. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is one of these really weird uh, historical stories. This is from the, the very northern parts of Maine right on the Canadian border. There was a, a guy who heard about, he, he was trying to use chickens to hunt for gold. And what he was doing, <laughs> so, so these gold flecks would kind of wash up near streams. And that's, I mean, that's true. That does happen. When you, when you hear about panning for gold, they would take the screens and they would look for little tiny gold flakes. And so what he was doing was he uh, was renting this farm and he kept buying chickens. He went into town and he'd buy like 10 chickens. And no one thinks much of that when you buy 10 chickens until you show up a couple days later and you buy 10 more. And then you show up, you know, a week after that and you buy another 10 and then you buy another 10 and another 10. And suddenly you go, well, wait a minute. I haven't seen him selling eggs. Hey, guys, I don't want to be chicken here, but. All right. There it goes. <laughs> we, ha- we have those announcements. More to come with Gene Randall and Jeff. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNlife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNlife.com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNlife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNlife.com or call toll-free 844-443-6637. That's GCNlife.com or 844-443-6637. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump's legal team has issued a stern response to the impeachment summons. The president's answer calls the two articles of impeachment passed by the House last month a dangerous attack on the right of the American people to freely choose their president. The president went to his golf club while his legal team submitted his formal answer to the articles of impeachment. Impeaching a president is one of the most monumentous things you can do in our country. Former Attorney General Pam Bondi is one of several lawyers on the president's team. Other big names include former independent prosecutor Ken Starr and constitutional expert Alan Dershowitz. House impeachment managers have filed their briefs as well, saying it's clear the president broke the law by abusing his power and obstructing Congress. This is USA Radio News. So here's the choice. Some people say the USA is finished. It's evil, a has-been, full of hate and injustice. The U.S. Constitution should be trashed and the Bill of Rights abolished. No free speech, no gun ownership, competition and free markets are bad. We're all too stupid. For our own good, the government must own everything and know all your secrets. 
other people say that America has created the freest, richest, happiest, most generous society that has ever existed in the world. That's why millions of people are desperate to come here and escape their brutal lives in Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and 100 other countries. In America, we have the right to succeed, the right to our own living, the right to have a family, the right to believe in God, the right to have our own ideas, the right to be safe and secure, and the right to be left alone. Where do you stand? Help us save the Constitution and restore the American dream. Go to SaveMyFreedom.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Go to GCNteam.com or call 855-GCN-MALL. That's 855-426-6255. GCNteam.com or 855-426-6255. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we have a chicken story here. Fried, roasted, grilled. Right. And this uh, this guy is gathering as many chickens as he can, and and the, the locals get curious because he's got now he must have hundreds of chickens, but he's not selling eggs and he's not selling the meat. So what the heck is he doing with them? And so a couple people get curious and they go up and they find he's actually trespassing uh, on another farmer's land. They watch him for a little while and they observe him and they see all these chickens pecking and it's winter time and they're just peck peck pecking, and he'll go over and he takes a, a stick. And he whacks one over the head, just knocks it unconscious. And he goes inside. And then uh, a few minutes later, he comes out and he sets the chicken down and it, it sort of revives itself and gets back to peck, peck, pecking. And pretty soon they move in now. They're, number one, they're, they're furious because he's trespassing. And number two, they've got to know what's going on with all these chickens. And so they catch him red-handed and he explains that he throws seed on the ground because there's gold flecks everywhere. And the chickens are always peck, peck, pecking and eating the dirt. And it gets caught in this little sack in their throat. And what he does is he knocks them out with a, a, a bop to the head. And then he takes a little knife and he cuts that little sack open. And he takes out the stuff, the, the dirt and the seed before it gets digested into the belly. And he was pulling out the gold flakes and then sewing them back up so they could keep working. <laughs> oh, man. I've heard of everything. So, so he's got, you know, 100 chickens looking for gold flakes. And all he has to do is knock them out, take the, the processed stuff from their little, their little sack in their throat, sew them back up nice and neat. And then they keep looking for more gold flakes for him. And he just has to pull the, glo- the gold out of that, that crap. Man. <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's go to another story here. This one hit me because it reminds me 
of a musical that was made into a movie. Kind of, sort of. The Man-Eating Apple Tree. Oh, Tell me more. This, this yeah, is one of my good. favorites. Okay, so um, there's a man named Roger Williams. He's the founder of Rhode Island, right? Like that, That's Roger Williams Park, Roger Williams University, Roger Williams Zoo. Roger Williams is an institution in Rhode Island. And the interesting thing about him is that uh, when he first came to America, he came to Boston. He was a preacher. He grew up in the Church of England, felt it was too constrictive, so he became a Puritan. And it, it wasn't too hip to be a Puritan back then in England, so he came to Boston. But his ideas were so radical that Boston wanted nothing to do with him. His ideas were like, uh, we shouldn't take Native American land. It's their own sovereign land. We shouldn't snatch it from them. So, you know, crazy ideas. And he had this other nutty idea that there should be a, a wall of separation between church and state. He's crazy. Clearly, he's nuts. So they, they kick him out of Boston. He goes to Plymouth. They don't like what he has to say. He goes to Salem. They don't like what he has to say. But he made a lot of friends with the Narragansett Indians. He's had the gift of language. He wrote actually the very first uh, book of, of um, Narragansett like dictionary, like a translation guide. And so he befriended them. So when he gets kicked out of Massachusetts Bay Colony, they said, hey, come on down. And, and we've got some land here for you. You can do your thing here. It's all good. You're our friend. And so pretty soon other disenfranchised Puritans start making their way south and this community's formed. He gets a charter and they say, man, you've done it. Uh, Roger Williams, you made this great place. And he said, no, it wasn't me. It was God above who shined down. And so he came up with the perfect name for his town and he called it Providence. Providence, Rhode Island. Roger Williams lived through the 1600s. He lived to see the King Philip's War almost burn Rhode Island to the ground. All of his Narragansett friends practically wiped out or pushed out. And then when he passed away, his burial was kind of an afterthought, just a small family plot in Providence, Rhode Island. That might have been the end of his story, but a hundred years later, when they're putting America together and they're sitting around and coming up with ideas for the Constitution and Bill of Rights, suddenly someone said, yeah, Roger Williams, separation of church and state, that's a good idea. Let's put that in this. And so suddenly, a hundred years after his death, the folks in Rhode Island are saying, man, this guy, he's our guy, Roger Williams. This is great. Of course, his ideas are one of the very founding principles of this great new country called America, and they loved it. And so the, the legend of Roger Williams starts to grow after he'd been in the ground 100 years. Now he's the founder. Now he's this. Now he's that. Now we go to the mid-1800s, and they say, uh, look, a guy that, that Rhode Island, founder of Rhode Island, this, this pinnacle of our state, and, and a guy that had a hand in the founding of the country deserves more than just a little family plot in Providence. We're going to exhume the body. We're going to do great things and, and build monuments to him. So they go to the family plot and they know right where he's buried. There's a little you know, stone here. There's this old apple tree over there and so on. And the Rhode Island Historical Commission goes and they dig it up and they find his casket and his casket is pretty well rotted. And they discover that the roots of the apple tree nearby had completely grown into the casket and more or less eaten the entire body of Roger Williams. He's mainly dissolved into just <laughs> cook. Now, wait, the story gets so much better now. Okay. Now, the Rhode Island Historical Commission people, they look at that and they don't miss a beat. They say, you know what? Cut that tree root out. We're taking it back. And they gather up whatever they can find, the bone fragments and teeth of Roger Williams. And they take the tree root and those bone fragments and they bring them back to their, their storage facility, which today is the John Brown House right next to Brown University in Providence. You go to the museum, which I did this past summer. And the tree root that ate Roger Williams is proudly on display in the lobby 
under this spotlight <laughs> in this <laughs> this little casket shaped you know box to display it. It's maybe five feet long and it starts at one point and then forks into two legs where it had grown down where his legs used to be. And the best part was the newspaper article at the time said how the tree absorbed all the nutrients of his decomposing body. And the odd thing was that they said, man, think of all the boys that must have snuck into that apple tree and stolen the fruit or all the neighbors that must have made pies and eaten that fruit. And and they basically yeah. said there must have been hundreds, if not thousands of people over the years who ate Roger Williams. <laughs> you know so what disturbing. this reminded me of? I saw the mention here is something that was a musical and a movie, the little shop of horrors. Yes. Yes, right. of course. And the plant was played by the late Levi Stubbs, lead singer for The Four Tops. And, okay, now, it was directed by a guy named Frank Oz. Yeah. And who is Frank Oz famous for? A lot of things. The voice of Grover, of course, but also yeah. a very famous movie character, Yoda. That's right, yeah. And Rick Moranis was in that movie. And so was Steve Martin, right? That's right. Didn't, didn't have a role too. So, so uh, one last postscript to that story. So I was there at the museum and I got to see the tree root and I said, it was great. And I'm talking to one of the docents in the museum and I said, okay, just a you know, quick question. I had read how the newspaper article said that his remains, his physical remains were brought back to storage. And she said, oh yeah, that's correct. And she said, but keep in mind, you know, there, there wasn't even really a skeleton anymore, just like bone fragments and teeth and stuff like that. I said, okay, okay. Well, what happened to that? She said, it's still in storage. And I went, storage, which I'm guessing is like, what, the basement of this very building? She said, yeah, that's, that's where it would be. And I'm like, okay, I just, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm clear here. <laughs> so are you telling me that Rhode Island founder Roger Williams' mortal remains are in a shoebox in your basement? <laughs> and she says, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so there they are, the founder of Rhode Island, in a little box in a basement of a building in Providence, Rhode Island. Well, it wasn't eaten by a big plant. No, just an apple tree. Voiced by the late Levi Stubbs. That's right. Saying, I'll be there to eat you up. <laughs> oh, God. You know, we're running out of time. We have one more segment. And I'm looking at different stories here. Things that we haven't done so far. Randall, what would you like him to talk about? Well, I need to know what a, a Glawakis is. Oh, yes, you do. So This uh, was one from back in July. Hunting before, before, before we do Glawakis. that, before we do that, before we get too wacky, okay, before we get gobsmacked with a, a, a Glawakis or whatever, sure, can't even say it. And if I'm a broadcaster and I can't say it, this is going to be fun. In our final segment with Jeff Belanger, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. 
You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sights on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 800-503-8625 hello i'm mike lindell the inventor of my pillow and like all of you out there i had problems sleeping pillows would go flat i would flip-flop all night long i would wake up with a sore neck maybe a headache or feel like i needed a nap even though i slept eight hours when i invented my pillow i wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position my pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code G. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN.
This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we have a tongue twister of an event here. What right. the heck is a Glowacus? Sounds Glowacus. wacky to me. So it's January of 1931 in a a small town called Glastonbury, Connecticut, which is just southeast of Hartford, the state capital around the central part of the state. The Hartford Times had reported that some animals were were being eaten on area farms. And that's important news. You need to know if there's a predator around. And the animals described uh, by all accounts is like a black panther, some sort of black cat looking thing. Of course, there's no pumas, there's no black panthers that are anywhere near New England. Some people speculated, well, maybe it's a creature that escaped from a zoo or a carnival or or someone's private collection. No matter what, if you're a farmer, you need to be aware that something is is tearing up some animals. And so that's the Hartford Times. Then suddenly the Hartford Current sees that these reports are getting some traction. And so he starts looking for uh, witnesses of this creature. And the creature goes from being a black cat-like creature to suddenly it evolves to, it's got uh, the body of a lion, the head of a dog, it's got a horn, it cries blue tears, it screams in the night. And these reports are popping up everywhere. The Hartford Current then prints a map of Greater Glastonbury showing with little circles where the attacks have been. Within the course of weeks, You've got a uh, hundred plus people that are out there actively hunting with rifles, this creature looking for it and trying to hunt it. And they called it the Gloacus. Supposedly a, a scientist on a local radio broadcast had come up with the name. It sounds very Latin and very proper, right? I mean, like this has got to be some new classification of animal and everybody's got Gloacus fever. And the, it's a story of newspapers competing with each other for scoops and the stories get wider and weirder. And then next thing you know, the most American thing that could possibly happen happens. And that is the advertisers get in on it. The paper starts writing, uh, there's a a company that says like, hey, if you capture a Gloacus, we'll make a Gloacus coat or scarf for you at our regular rates. (laughs) And then uh, uh, there was a hair salon that says, don't look like a Gloacus, come in and get permanent waves. (laughs) A local butcher had an ad that said, we cannot sell you Gloacus meat. It would be too tough and stringy, but we've got beef sirloin that you'll enjoy, you know, at 33 cents a pound and things like that. And so uh, it became just this huge thing. And this is, we're talking about the span of like three to four weeks. That's it. It went from weird animal attacks to Gloacus fever. And finally, the editor of the, the Hartford Current, which was the paper that was always outdoing the Times, admitted that it was he who came up with the name Gloacus. And what it is, is Glastonbury for the town where it was first seen, Wacky and us. So... <laughs> <laughs> Gloacus. The second thing that happened, I mean, they had a Gloacus ball that February. And then the second most American thing that could happen happened. And that is that the creature was not shot, captured, or, or otherwise. Just everybody kind of got bored with it. And the news cycle moved on. And we forgot about the Gloacus. You know, the things that occur to you when you talk about things like this, the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people <laughs> eater. Remember right. that song? I do. Well, yeah, I'm of course. Horn fly- no, I want to try to sing it. guy it named re- Sheb Woolley was the guy who sang it like 2,000 years ago. Yeah. That reminds me of Woolly Bully now. That's right. I oh, mean, God, we could go on. Do you know what just, it reminds me of? It reminds the me of six the six degrees ch- of Kevin Bacon. Ch- chupacabras. It sounds yeah. like a, an American chupacabra. 
Like, and so, it sounds like, like in Mexico, you know, like if you were going to do advertising, it'd be like, you know, Taco Bell, come and get the latest Chupacabra. That's right. It's soft shell or hard shell. Choose your filling. <laughs> you know, like, one of the things uh, I love about all these stories is that like Glastonbury is, is uh, no offense to my friends in Glastonbury, but it's not the most culturally rich town. It's not, it's not like New York city or, or Boston or, or any number of like major cities, right? It's just a town. And yet they have this thing that they can lay claim to that's, that's weird and different and theirs forever. But now Bobcats do make their way into Connecticut, but Bobcats are not black. Uh, there, there's never been a, a recorded case of a, a black Bobcat. There is still that air of mystery. Yes, sure, it got blown into crazy proportions. But the reality is farmers' animals really were killed. That's not made up. And they did get a look at something that didn't belong that was a predator in that area for a little while. To me, that's interesting. We talked earlier about the telephone game. There's always an element of truth in it. There's always an element of truth in a myth and a legend. And the element of truth here is that, yeah, animals were in danger. And you had to keep a lookout, especially if you're a farmer or if you've got pets or whatever. Because there was a real danger by an unknown creature, and you can call it a Gloacus, you can call it anything you want, but the threat was real. Hey, we only have a few minutes left. Can you give us some ideas of what you're going to be up to over the next few months? A couple of years ago, I got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. It was a life-changing experience for me, and I wrote a memoir about it, and I sold it to a publisher, and I'm spending the next month uh, doing the final edits. The book's going to come out in April of 2021, so we still have a little over a year to go, but that's going to be occupying my next month or so, and I'm very excited about it because it was such a spiritual, transformative experience climbing Africa's tallest peak and spending all that time out there in Tanzania. It was, it was amazing. So that's, that's kind of what I'm focusing on. The podcast, though, there's a new episode every single week, always looking for new shows. And what's great is we've got this whole community of people that are now sharing ideas with us. Like, oh, I live in this little town. Have you ever heard about this? And we go, oh, this is great. You know, and we're, we're starting this whole database and more people are contributing stories. And it's been so cool to watch New England sort of come together around these stories. They're weird, but they're ours. Still working on ghost adventures and just enjoying the winter. You've got some lectures and events that you do, too. Uh, you're a pretty frequent lecturer here by the looks of it, libraries and such. Yeah. The winter, it gets a lot slower because in these northern climates, we get a lot of snow. So um, it'll start to pick up again in the spring. But yeah, I do story tours where we, we, we tell these stories. And what's fun about telling them in person is that I can show you some of the old newspaper clips, like the Gloacus ads. I've shown those to audiences. You get to see them. You know, look, I, I didn't make it up. I mean, here it is right out of the paper. You can see the you know the various ads and you can see the the artist depiction of the creature and it's just so fun to figure out how these legends are born why they're here and why we still talk about them and what they have to say about us right i mean this is they're our children they're a product of us and and help define who we are too so i love it i guess it doesn't matter if those stories are real or imaginary they can be a lot of fun as long as they're not dangerous no, but I think there's there's some element, like the Galacus is a perfect example, right? There was something real that was really killing animals on those farms. And you need to be on the lookout. And if something has to rise to kind of mythic proportion to get you to do that, then that's fine. And so be it. I mean, if you have to be more vigilant so you don't lose your livelihood as a farmer or whatever, there's always a reason. There's always a reason. We may not even understand it until years later or maybe never, but there's some reason that these stories take hold of a community or, or 
a country or whatever. And there's a reason that we keep, we feel compelled to keep talking about them. And I think the reason is we, we, it's tapping into something very primal within all of us that wonders about the world around us, uh, whether it's from above, below, or in realms that we can't quite see. Hey, tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff. The podcast is OurNewEnglandLegends.com. We also have the companion TV series. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can watch them for free. There's uh, eight episodes up there right now. Yeah, you can find links to everything I do from there. So it's just OurNewEnglandLegends.com. Hey, thank you, Jeff. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. I have the updates of the weekly shows there. We're also on Facebook, and we watch ourselves because of all these fake posts that Zuckerberg is dealing with now and we don't get involved in that. We just try to keep it simple, basic messages. We also have the Paracast Plus now in its sixth year where we offer a special version of the show with enhanced audio free of the network ads. How about that? We also offer the After the Paracast podcast where you never know what's going to happen next. We continue discussions. We also have William Puckett's weekly UFO sighting update. So sometimes, of course, we continue discussions that began on the main episode like Gary Voorhees last week was back with more fascinating discussions. It's available for a low subscription price starting at a buck fifty a week, five dollars a month. For more information, go to theparacast.plus. Theparacast.plus. And if you go to the Paracast.shop, you go to the official Paracast shop where we have branded merchandise, four different logos, all sorts of things. Really, it's not just the t-shirts and the jackets and cups, and you have to check it out. The Paracast.shop. Jeff Belanger, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.